Welcome to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God. Pastor Larry Sterling, we invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. God doesn't, he didn't just wake up one day and go, oh, okay, there's Scott. He knew where Scott was all along. But let me tell you something about being sometimes discarded, sometimes being rejected. At that point, you think that nobody knows where you are. Nobody cares about your situation. You're hurting, nobody cares. I remember going to class with her because she wanted me to go and, and listen to the thing, presentation. And I videoed it and I just sat there. This is awesome. One of the stories in her, in her past that she told, and I'm not going to touch that today, it, it, her past, she had been walking on the beach down here and she looked down and she stumbled over a piece of glass on the beach. And she picked up that piece of glass and she noticed that that glass had been rolled and tumbled in the sand and the wind and it had been, and it had no edges. Like if you were to take a fresh piece of glass and break it, it would, you could cut anything. You could clean a, you could clean a deer with it. You could clean fish with it. It's sharp as a razor blade. She noticed that the edges of this glass had no edges. It was rounded and, and and it looked foggy and clouded and, and it, it, it wasn't, it didn't look like a, a fresh piece of glass. And she compared her past to this piece of what she called sea glass. And she said, the things that I've gone through in my life, the things that I've endured, and she said, the rejections and things that have happened in my life, she said, I compare my life to this piece of sea glass. She said, it no longer has a, a sharp enough edge to cut. And it's been marred and it's cloudy. And then she goes on to talk about her, her future and, and things in, in the present time that she was in. But today I want to talk about that because it intrigued me about the sea glass. And, and I'm the type of person, I, I get something on my mind, I don't want to just take it at face value. So I went back and I, I began to get on Google and I researched sea glass. I was like, what's the deal? And so I found out something about sea glass that just amazed me. I, was, I almost fell in love with it. Because when I read about it, I thought, wow, that is so true. Listen, what you don't know about sea glass is that it has become a million, a multi-million dollar industry. You can buy, you can go to River Lily and you can find sea glass. I bought my wife a, a sea glass necklace. I should have told her to wear it this morning. But I bought her a sea glass necklace for Christmas last year. And, and as I looked at it, because of what I knew about sea glass, I was able to sit down and write a poem about each piece of glass on that necklace. It represented our past, our present, and our future. And so we, that piece of glass that she wears is not just something I bought her for Christmas. It has purpose. And I found out that out in California... Back in the 40s and 50s, probably the 30s, uh, there was an air base out there. There was an army air base close to the shore. And what they would do with all the glass and all the garbage is they would just take them back up to this cliff and they would dump it over the edge into the ocean. Well, back then, you know, we wasn't thinking much about what it was going to do to the environment. 
And so all that stuff's probably settled down, whatever would float away, floated out into the ocean, settled to the sea bottom. But all the glass and all the bottles that was in this garbage broke and fell all to pieces at the bottom of the cliff. And, the, and, and here, I found this out, that here we don't have the kind of waves it takes to do this. They, in, the, on the, in the Pacific side, there are huge, huge waves. So what they would do is over the period of about 70 years, it would take this glass and it would take it out to sea. And then it would somehow, the waves rolling would push it back in. Some of it would get buried under the sand and then it would become unburied under the sand. Then it would be buried again. And what it did is it slowly began to do what she said. It would rough up, take the sharp edges away from it. It would roll it around until it would create gems. And now you can see that sea glass in stores all over the world. It's a multi-million dollar industry, and they're going down there now to California. People are going like a gold rush, and they're, they're sifting through the sand so that they can find the sea glass. And I think that's just interesting. But knowing this, I sat down and I said, now how would that look to me and you? What would, what would, you, what would the glass say, Nina? If the glass could talk, what would it say? Well, let's see what it would say. And this is the glass talking. Today is a new day. Yesterday, I feel like the wind shifted in my favor. I've been uncovered after waiting so long. That last crashing wave, it washed me into plain view. Here, here they come. Please look my way. Maybe they will see me this time. But there are so many pieces around me that sparkle and shine. Oh no. Will they even notice me? Am I what they're looking for? Or have all the other objects already caught their eye? Well, we, we all have so much in common. We are broken. Our sharp edges have been worn down by the winds and waves of life. We have been scratched and marred until our purpose seems foggy and distant. We have been tossed upon many different shores, some rocky and rough, some boggy and miry, obstructing our vision of any foreseen future. It's as if every wave seems to be mocking my very existence. I'll bury you one more time. You belong to me now. Wait a minute. Yes, he's walking my way. Maybe this time I'll be taken away from this from all this brokenness. And even though I am broken myself, He will find a new purpose for my existence. I'm in the custody. He is my new master. He has taken me to a clean source of water, washed the sands of time from my rugged surface, and given me a new course in life. It seems that all the pounding and shifting and moving from shore to shore my enemy failed to realize that he was slowly turning me into a gem. Wow, I can see all the other beautiful things that my master has created from all the brokenness that was once strewn upon the shores of life, waiting to be found. It seems that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. That's what the glass would say. 
that's what you probably say today. Because there's not probably a person in this room that has not been marred by the sands of time, that has not had your edges kind of roughed up, brokenness in your life. We this In this generation, in this uh, uh, time that we live in, there's more brokenness in families than there ever has been in the history of mankind that I know of. And I see that, that there's so many broken people. And I think about this glass, and I think about me or you as a person, and sometimes we feel like a failure. Sometimes we feel like nothing can ever change our course, and it can help us get to be in a better state of mind or a better life. And then somebody introduces us to Jesus. Somebody tells us about Jesus, and we go, well, he, you know, he can't help me. I've Listen, I go to the jail, and, and they always tell me, there's no hope for me. A lot of them say, I, I, I'm so far gone that there's no hope for me. I, I've done so much, you just don't understand what all I've done. I'm so broken. And see, it is an honor for me to stand there and go, it, God doesn't care how broken you are. Matter of fact, He loves broken things. The Bible says that, that He became broken for us. He, he took the stripes on our backs to set us free. As I thought about these broken people, and I read about them in the Bible, I read about Zacchaeus as he, as he heard about Jesus. And, and he went to meet, or he didn't really go to meet Jesus, he went to place himself in a place where he could just see Jesus. Now, wait, now, now keep in mind, he's like that piece of broken glass. This day is different than any other day. He's a short man. Now, I don't know why he had to be a short man, but he was a short man. Maybe it was, to, maybe it was just God's way of saying size doesn't matter. But he was so short that he realized that there was a crowd of people coming, but he couldn't get to where Jesus or even see Jesus because he's trapped down here in the lower part of the earth. And let's listen to what he says in Luke 19 and 1. It says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd. For he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Zacchaeus had been lost. He had been lost in the crowd. He had been lost in sin. He had been lost. And, and, and you know, the, the, the they, people that were there, the they, people that were there, they were your religious folks. They said, look, he goes and eats with a sinner. 
What is he doing down there when he should be, if he's really the Son of God, he should be eating with us. He should be dining with the prestigious. But can I tell you, you can't find a lot of times broken things in the prestigious places. But if you'll notice, it says that Zacchaeus was very rich. So he had a prestige about him, but it wasn't in the religious sect of people that he had this prestige. Jesus didn't see any of his riches. All he saw was that this man needed salvation. He saw that this man, deep down in his heart, was hiding his brokenness with his money. He was hiding his brokenness and and his probably uh, his small stature that he had. The richer you were, the bigger you felt. But deep down inside, this man was hurting. Deep down inside, this man was like that glass. He had lost his edges. But I love the fact that when he came, he said, Lord, look. He said, I give back now anything that I've taken. He made right some wrongs in his life. He'd done some things right. And when he did, things happened. Jesus doesn't tell him that salvation come to his house until after he confesses and gives and begins to give an offering. After he says, I'm going to give everything back that I took, then Jesus says, salvation came. Can I tell you why? There's got to be some kind of outward sign that God has changed something on the inside of you. You can't go on living like you did. Now listen, there's a lot of broken glass in California. I don't know if I'll ever get to go out there and wade the beaches and comb and sip through the sand and find any of it. But even when it was broken, somebody took it and set it in a ring setting. Somebody took it and put it on a necklace. Somebody took it and and gave it something more than what it had to make it better than what it was. And so that's what God does with me and you. He takes us. As marred as we are, as, 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 as hurt and broken as we've become. And He takes us and He cleans us and He shines us and He lets us sparkle. But you know what's so neat about sea glass that I've found? They don't try to take those scratches off. They don't try to make the edges sharp. They take it just the way it is. Just the way life dealt it. And they use it the way life dealt it. I think about Erica this week as I was up there and she and I talked to her on the way up before they sent her into surgery and she says, Uncle Scott, I want to just tell you something. I said, okay, and she said, This is what I want. She said, if anybody wants to give me a card or bring send something to the hospital, she said, Could you have them send teddy bears? She said, because when I'm up and I'm able to walk around, I want to be able to go around in the children's ward and I want to just be able to give these teddy bears out to these kids. Now here she is in in such a situation that she can't hardly move, but she's taken where she's been placed in her weakness. God is made strong. And you know, it was so beautiful the other day. I know... Donald, it was just that little girl when she was, they were running up and down the hall, and this little girl, she came up, and she just backed right up to me. You thought she was my granddaughter. She just kind of hugged right up like she'd known me her whole life, and I said, you like teddy bears? She said, yeah, thank you. I said, you want a teddy bear? And we just, Donna had a bag full. I had a bag full. I said, yeah, well, let's get one. Donna pulled a little bear, a little doggy out, and she wanted the, the, the little 
Dotson, but we wouldn't give her that one. That was Erica's. We know who that represented. That represented Buttons, and that was going to stay with Erica. But we gave her that. And she said, I, "She said, who is that in that room?" And I said, "That is a very, very special person." She said, "Can I meet her?" I said, "Well, we're waiting on the curtain to open. As soon as that curtain opens, you're going to get to meet her." And and so they got her in her chair, and the lady pulled the curtain over, and I went. I said, "Erica," I said. We've already given one of your dogs away and one of your stuffed animals. I said, this little girl just wanted to meet you. And and first thing Erica did was say, she gets over there by her and she gets her arm around and she said, take a picture. You know, photo op. And she just puts this big smile on her face and the little girl smiles real big. And, you know, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that, that even sick, all she can do is be pleased with what God's using her to do in the smallest of little things. Listen, I, I'm telling you this today because I want broken people to realize there is not one thing God can't use you for. Listen, I don't know where you are right now in your brokenness, but listen, if you lay down in a little pity party, and you go, well, tomorrow's just going to bury me back and God's never going to know where I'm at. God knows where you are. God, God may have allowed you to experience what you have experienced to make a gem out of you. To make something that He can use, a vessel of honor. This vessel that we live in, every one of us have different lots in life and you know, I, I thank God every day for the help that I have. I thank Him for the help, and, and, and I just I walk in that praise daily. And for those of you who have had health problems, and, and, and you've, you've had to have asked God, why is everybody else healthy, and why can I get my healing, God? Young ladies and young men who live in foster homes can't understand why they don't have parents who love them. They see other parents walk in the mall and holding hands in hand and they're just laughing and playing and they wonder why they never got to have that kind of happiness. And I'll say if you're in here today and you've experienced that as a young person or as an old adult or at whatever age you are, you allow God to take the circumstance that you are in and you allow Him to define you according to the circumstance that you're in. Listen, when they backed up there uh, 70 years ago to that cliff, they had one thing in mind, folks. I want you to understand. There was no purpose there. Get rid of the garbage. That was their only motive. Do you think for a minute, Tina, that one of them said, hey, look, we're going to come back here 70 years from now and we're going to become millionaires because we're going to find all this glass that's rolled around on the beach and become gems and Scott's going to buy his wife a necklace and I'm going to get rich off of it. No, they didn't know that. They didn't, they didn't, there was no planned method to madness. It just happened that way. And in the midst of it all, lo and behold, out pops this gem. Now, I, boy, I tell you, I got so, so curious about I flounder and, and I've always saw the glass on the bottom and boy, I went down there to the beach down there off the other side between here and Caribou. I remember Highway 98, people used to travel by. They've been traveling that highway for 70 or 80 years. Well, nobody thought about throwing bottles out the window, so 
out the, out the window bottles went. So you can go down this beach down here and strewn from East Point to Carabelle is just broken glass all the way. It's not sharp. It don't have any edges. And sure enough, as I found it, and I just picked me up a bucket full of it. And I got that stuff because somebody threw it out. And it, But see, our waves are not rough enough to make it the way that way. Think about that now. If our waves were big enough, we would have a multi-million right out there on that beach line. But think about it. The waves are not big enough. Crisis. The crisis is not big enough to make the gym. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and pray for a crisis in your life today. Don't nobody do that. But can I tell you, for those that have been through crisis, can I tell you, the waves have been big enough in your life to do this and to cause you to be a gem. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. We need to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and go, I don't understand why these things happen to me in my life, but I'm going to let these things define me in a positive way. I'm not going to let these things define me to where I am negative and, and always having a, woe is me, oh, the world is just not fair, it's just not fair. Listen, I've been with Miss Erica since she was that long. Since she was that long. She's had more positive moments than she's had negative. And don't think there hadn't been times that she sat there by herself going, why, God? Why? All my friends are getting married. All my friends have got children. Why, God? Why? Why me? Why me? And then there's times that God whispered in her ear and said, because I got something special I want you to do, young man. I got something special for you to do. And sometimes... Sometimes it takes pressure to make special things happen. And so, whatever we've been given, we allow the pressure to do what it needs to do. You remember the story of the prostitute in, in the Bible where the men brought this lady to Jesus and they looked at Jesus and said, this woman was caught in adultery. What do you want to do? He says, what does the Scripture say? Well, the Scripture says you need to stone her. And they just kept demanding an answer from Jesus. And he just kind of sat down and started doodling in the dirt like he really didn't care what they had to say. John 8, 7, he says, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. You want to stone him? Stone him? Go ahead. I'm giving you permission. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and Wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more.
Did not one of them condemn you? You mean to tell me there wasn't one perfect, there wasn't one perfect religious man standing there? Because I like what it says. He says Jesus was the only one standing in the crowd. So obviously there were people around them in a crowd away, and then you had your religious people had her encircled, and then you had Jesus and her. And they're all waiting to see how this thing's going to play out. And when it's all over, Jesus says, where are they at? There's not one person here. And I don't condemn you either. You remember the lady at the well that Jesus was waiting on his disciples to come back and and they had went to get food and he met he I believe he knew this lady was going to be there. I think everything Jesus did was a divine appointment. And he knew this lady was going to be coming to this well and he knew what this well represented. He knew everything about this well. This well was where the Samaritan people came to get their water. And Jesus asked her for some water. Let's listen to what happens. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time and because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. If you only knew who you were talking to right now, you would realize that you're about to receive living water. And then you go, you know the rest of the story. This woman, he says, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. He says, you're right, you don't. You've been married several times and the one you're with now, you're, you're shacking with modern word for living together. And and she runs back to, and he, he prays with her, I guess, and she receives salvation, and he says, now go back and tell everybody what you what, what's happened to you. Listen, she ran back, and I don't think she ran to the church house to tell everybody what had happened. She ran to all the other broken people. She ran to all the other people that had been looked down on, who had been scorned, who had been had had, had experienced prejudice at a at an enormous rate. And she went, "Come see a man, and he's a he's a Jew." She went, "Wait a minute, what are you talking about?" He even asked me to use my dipping to give him water. He was willing to drink after. See, that's the love of God. That if we don't have in our hearts, people, you know, I, this is not ironic that we're going to have friend day next week. As I prayed for God to give me the message, I knew this was fitting because I want your hearts to see farther than just your friends. Because I don't know, your friend circle may be a little cleaner. Your friend circle may not smell like some people. So while you're out there this week inviting friends to church, don't forget the broken. Don't forget those that have stood down here on this slab or walked down through this community saying, those people don't care about me. I'm so broken, I have no 
present and I have no future. All I have is a stinking rotten past. And I'm looking at my past because I can't see my future. I'm looking at my past because I can't even see what's going to happen today. From Listen, I pretty much know how my day is going to go from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep at night. And I, and I don't even have any bad thing that I can imagine that would happen. Now, bad things happen in your day, but I don't see that. Why? Because I know I have a future. I know who holds that future. And I pray every day, God, keep my future secure in you. They don't have that hope. They don't have that hope. So this woman goes and becomes an evangelist and she who cared about me. He told me all that I ever done. He, and he, you know, he's, he didn't care. He didn't condemn me for what all I've done. He just told me to drink this water and that I would never thirst again. And I drank it. I'm sure they probably went, what did it taste like? She probably said, I can't explain it. Just come and see. Come and see. How many of you in this room have drank that water? <laughs> it's a hard thing to explain, isn't it? It's a hard thing when you've been taken from a broken life. When, when your life is topsy-turvy and all of a sudden God turns it right side up and you drink in His goodness, and you drink in His joy, and you drink in the peace that He gives you, and then you try to explain that to the world, and all you can do is say, come and see. Just, just come and see. And you'll experience it for yourself. That's what we're doing next week. We're just asking people to come and see. To come experience it for yourself, and then ask yourself, I don't know if you really are thirsty. You're not going to walk away. But about 20 minutes into this message, my mouth starts drying. And water is really good. When you get into your life and it's broken and you're thirsty and you need somebody to help you, you're going to come and you're going to drink from wherever fountain you can find. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? 12 years she had to walk around saying unclean, unclean. Every time she walked through the audience, unclean, unclean, unclean. People would dodge her. People would go around her. People wouldn't have anything to do with her. She forced her way into the crowd that day. And she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I believe I could be made whole. And she pressed her way through and she made her way to Jesus. And I don't know how she orchestrated it, how she let it happen, but she swiped that garment as it went by and Jesus felt the, the, his countenance. He felt that healing had immediately left his body. He asked the disciples, who touched me? And Peter just laughed and said, Lord, look at the crowd. And you want to know who touched you? There's so many people here. He said, yeah, but somebody touched me in a way I haven't been touched yet. Somebody touched me with faith that they believed that no matter how broken they were, that if I can just get to the feet of Jesus, I'll be made whole. See, that, that, that right there, that, that, gets the, that gets the attention of the Creator. That gets the attention of Jesus where He says, somebody's in this room today needing something. See, a lot of you just came to church this morning. You came to church this morning just like you come to church every other Sunday. Then there may be somebody in this room today that come to church this morning. They didn't 
might have been your last resort. It might have been your last hope. If that's you, I want to tell you, come to Jesus. And when you reach out, he reaches back. When you reach out, he reaches back and he touches you. And I'll guarantee you, if you mean what you say, he means what he says. And if you mean what you say, knowing he means what he says, you will be made whole. And then all the stuff, the junk, the garbage, and everything that's happened in your life, what he does is he don't remove it all. He just takes it and he makes an awesome testimony out of it. Because there's always somebody that don't believe that God can do this to make you better. And so when I stand up and say, let me tell you what he did for me. Lindsay may stand up and say, let me tell you what he did for me. Tina may stand up and say, let me, let me tell you. And all those different things he did for you may be different. But somebody needs to hear it. Somebody, your testimony makes the difference in their life. So Jesus tells her, he says, daughter, he said, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. He said, now go in peace. I love the fact he didn't tell her to go and sin no more. You know why? Good job. She wasn't, she wasn't like the, the, the prostitute. Then I'm going to close with this last person. It's the man at the pool of Bethesda. As this man sat at the pool and had been there many, many years, he had waited for something to happen. If you know the, if you know the history of this, once a year they say that the angel, an angel would come and trouble the waters now, I always thought it was a stir. I have my own image of what it would be like but and, and what that happened. But he says when the water starts to bubble. So it was almost like this spring would come up like air from the bottom of the pool. And he said when the water starts to bubble, he said, I don't have anybody to put me in. Jesus said, do you want me made own? I mean, Jesus didn't ask. Listen, let's read it. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir. That's what a broken person will say. That's what a broken person will say. That's your default word. I can't, sir. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead. Jesus told him, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. His miracle was on the Sabbath, and we ain't going to go there because all the religious people went, oh, he healed somebody on the Sabbath day. Jesus doesn't ask him, do you need help getting in the water? Because the water wasn't bubbling up. If he would have said, you need help in the water, you know what the man would have said? No use to put me in there now because the water's not bubbling. There's no healing here now. And what Jesus, this is the most beautiful image of a, of a timeless God. This is the most beautiful image of a God that is omnipresent and, and is able. See, what he didn't realize was that the healing was right there in front of him. And he said, you want to be well? He said, Jesus didn't even take his faithlessness. And, and let that he understood his situation. That's why I like to tell people that are broken where you would never know nothing about this broken. 
Some of you have never experienced brokenness to this. And so you can't relate to their brokenness. What you want to do is, oh, they just need to... You know, we get our self-righteous stuff going on. Oh, they just need... Well, I'll tell you what, bless God, I need it now. No. No. You cannot relate to what they're saying when they say, I can't. When they say, I can't. You got sometimes you got just man, yes, yes, yes. I'm gonna be here till you do. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.